invite you to turn in your copy of God's Word once again to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 as we continue our life-changing look at Jesus. This morning our text will be verses 5 through 12 here in Matthew 16. As you turn there, let me just remind you of a couple of important things from last week. It helps us with the context, and it will help us appreciate our passage this morning. There were three scenes that we looked at last week. I didn't call them scenes, but we will this morning for the sake of review. The first one was when the crowds were bringing the multitudes of those who were lame, blind, crippled, mute, and many others. They were putting them at the feet of Jesus, and he healed them all to the point where they were amazed and were glorifying the God of Israel. Then, those folks, after about three days of ministry, they were without food. Jesus had compassion on them. He took seven loaves of bread and a few small fish, and he took those loaves and fish, and he fed all 4,000 men. In addition, there were women and children that were unnumbered, and they all ate, and they were full. It was after this that the, I'm sorry, the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus wanting to test him. And Jesus said, I'm not going to fall for it. That's a rough paraphrase. The only sign that I'm going to give you is the sign of Jonah. So we looked at those three scenes last week. And now, at the end of verse 4, we see, after the Pharisees and the Sadducees tested him, it said that he left them and departed. Verse 5, this is our text for this morning. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the five thousand and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand? And how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Well, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Once again, we find Jesus putting some distance between himself and the religious leaders of Israel, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, these so-called spiritual leaders, they're headquartered out of Jerusalem, but they keep traveling north to Galilee where Jesus hangs out to question him, to police him and his disciples, 
and to test him. You see, Jesus is now famous. His miracles and his teaching have made him extremely popular, extremely well-known. And so he's becoming a real threat to them and the religious establishment. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they keep stalking him. And they want to shut him down. They want to expose him as a fraud and toss him out like yesterday's garbage. But here's the problem. Jesus isn't a fraud. He is the son of God. Because the Pharisees and the Sadducees keep trying to trap him, the end of verse 4 tells us, after this, again, uncomfortable encounter with them, it says that Jesus, he, left them and departed. Verse 5, when the disciples, and Jesus is with them too, but when the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. If only we could look on a map to see where these guys are at. Hold on, I got something in my pocket. <laughs> pull out our handy map of Israel. If you weren't here last week, my hand represents the Sea of Galilee, and my arm represents the Jordan River. These are the main geographical features of the country of Israel. Jesus, his ministry headquarters is right here at the top of my index finger or your index finger, depending on whose hand you're looking at. And we find him and his disciples just a little bit south, a couple miles south of Capernaum, his ministry headquarters in an area called Magadan. That's where the Pharisees came from Jerusalem. Where's Jerusalem? Well, Jerusalem is way down here where my hand is. And they make the 90-mile trek up to Megadon to confront, to test Jesus. Jesus, once again, says, I've had enough of these guys. So he and his disciples, they travel the eight miles across the Sea of Galilee into this region up here above your pinky finger. That is where Bethsaida is. There are mountains there. It's beautiful wilderness. And eventually, Jesus will make his way up about 50 miles north of the Sea of Galilee to Caesarea Philippi. That'll be next Sunday. This is where we find Jesus crossing the lake with his disciples and back in the area of Bethsaida where he fed the 5,000 with just a few fish and loaves of bread. That's when it dawns on the disciples that they don't have anything to eat. They forgot the bread. The humanity of these guys should not be lost by us. There are 12 of these guys, and none of them remember to bring the cooler. What's also striking is that Jesus lets them forget. He doesn't mother them. He allows them to make a mistake. And he's going to use their mistake as an opportunity to teach them. Loved one, 
This is often how God works in our lives. God allowing us to make mistakes, and then he uses those mistakes to teach us valuable lessons. God grows us. He humbles us, softens us, and and shapes us through our mistakes. Here's some food for thought, and I hope I don't get in trouble for this one. But our fruitful growth, it often sprouts from the manure, the fertilizer of our mistakes. Our mistakes can act like fertilizer to fuel our growth. That's not an encouragement to make mistakes. That's an encouragement to allow God to use your mistakes for your good. Don't waste your mistakes. God will grow you in those moments. Here in verse 6, we're going to see Jesus capitalizing on this mistake that his disciples make in order to grow them in the area of truth. Verse 6, Jesus said to them, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Jesus takes their discussion about bread to a whole new level. Guys, there's a bread out there that you actually want to leave behind. The bread of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They, the disciples, are worried about what goes into their stomachs. Jesus is worried about what goes into their minds and into their hearts. Watch and beware. Keep a sharp eye out. Be on guard. Be on high alert. Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, confused and fixated on their stomachs that are probably empty at this point, the disciples continue in verse 7. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, we brought no bread. The disciples, they think that Jesus is talking about literal bread here. Watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Jesus, we just got done saying we don't have any bread. And we don't have any bread starter. We don't have any leaven from the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, I'm not going to pretend like I know anything about the kitchen (laughs) or what I'm talking about when it comes to making bread. But apparently, you need yeast mixed in to your flour and oil and salt and whatever else you put in bread dough. But you need these things in the mixture in order for the mixture to rise. The yeast, if I understand this correctly, it interacts with the flour 
causing it to ferment. There's a chemical reaction that takes place. And the next thing you know, this lump of flour and oil and yeast and salt, it begins to grow, rise. Because they didn't have a brand new Albertsons down the street that's rather nice. I really enjoy having it on my way home. But because they didn't have a grocery store down the street where you could get the little packets of yeast and rip the top off and pour it in there, they had to come up with another way to make their dough rise because without the yeast, there was no raising of their bread dough. That's where the leaven comes in. What's leaven? Well, leaven is a little chunk of bread dough that's already been fermented. And that little piece of Leaven, they would use that, and they would mix it into the unleavened bread dough, and that leaven would then leaven the whole lump of dough. And after that new lump of dough fermented and raised, well, they were good to go. And what they would do is they would take off a chunk of that now leavened bread dough, and they'd store it away until next time. That's the leaven that made their bread grow. We might call it bread starter. The Jews called it leaven. And this, of course, is the science behind Paul's famous statement in Galatians 5.9. A little leaven leavens what? The whole lump. So this is what the disciples knew. This is what's in their mind. This is what they're thinking. They're thinking that Jesus is talking about bread or bread starter when he says, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They're thinking, well, apparently Jesus thinks the Pharisees and Sadducees have pinched us off some bread dough, some bread starter, some leaven. Jesus, we don't have any bread. We don't have any leaven. Verse 8. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves and the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered how is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread is Jesus worried about bread not even a little bit is he concerned about their faith? Absolutely. Oh, you of little faith. What's the problem, Jesus? Here's the problem. His followers are starting to sound more like the Pharisees and the Sadducees than his disciples. You see, in this moment, they are not operating by faith. They are operating 
by what they see. And that is a serious problem. They should know better by now. In church, by way of application, so should we. Oh, you of little faith, why are you worried about bread? Why do, why do you not perceive? Do you not remember? Do you not remember what? He has done. 5,000 men and only five loaves. Yet Jesus fed them all. And there were 12 baskets of leftovers. Last week, there were 4,000 starving men with only seven loaves. Yet Jesus fed every last one of them until they were full. There were seven baskets of leftovers that day. And you're worried about going hungry. As R.C. Sproul once famously asked at a huge conference, what's wrong with you people? Well, Jesus tells them precisely what's wrong. Their faith is small. Oh, you of little faith. Now, we need to remember this conversation is happening shortly after that huge crowd brought the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others and laid them at Jesus' feet, and he healed them all. And this conversation was shortly after Jesus finished feeding the 4,000 men plus all those women and children, and there were seven with only seven loaves of bread. And after all that, after all these disciples had recently seen, and the fact that their stomachs had recently been filled once again by Jesus, their faith is still small. They still doubted whether or not Jesus could take care of them, no matter their circumstance. Who's going to take care of us? We're going to starve out here. Oh, you of little faith. Don't you remember? Don't you perceive? How is it that you still fail to understand? These guys, in this moment, were worried about bread. What do you worry about? Our worry betrays our lack of faith. What's your bread? What keeps you living by sight and not by faith? 
And Jesus asks you this morning, whatever that might be, why are you so worried? Oh, you of little faith, do not doubt. Perceive. Remember all the good things that I have done. He goes on in the second half of verse 11. He says, for a second time, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We're going to get into that in just a moment, but for right now, it's enough to know that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they doubted Jesus. Friend. Trust Jesus. No matter how hungry you get, no matter how much your current circumstances tempt you to worry, be not one of little faith. Be one of great faith. Verse 12, after he told him a second time in verse 11 to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, he says, then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching, the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What's the problem with their teaching? What's this leaven? What's, what's the problem with their doctrine? Because that's what they're teaching. Did they believe in the sovereignty of God? Check. Did they believe in the inspiration of Scripture? Check. Did they emphasize obedience to the Lord? Well, big time. Were, there, were they devout? Unquestionably. Did they read their Bibles and pray? Every day. Did they teach others what they believed? Yes, with conviction and clarity. So what's the problem, Jesus? What's the problem with their teaching? No matter how much they prayed, no matter how much they read, their Bibles, the Old Testament, their quote-unquote faith would not allow them to see Jesus in those Old Testament scriptures. They thought Jesus was talking about bread. D.A. Carson writes, the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees to which Jesus refers is an attitude of unbelief toward divine revelation. What's divine revelation at this point? It's the Old Testament scriptures. So it's an attitude of unbelief towards the scriptures that could not, he writes, perceive Jesus to be the Messiah. 
In other words, let me break this down for you. They missed the major point of the Old Testament. Jesus. The Old Testament points us to Jesus. It speaks of and it promises him. Here's the scary part. Did they read and know the Old Testament? Of course they did. Probably better than us. But they read it in such a way that they completely missed the fact that it pointed them to Christ. Of course, there were the small sections of Scripture in the Old Testament that very specifically promised a Messiah. And so they looked to those and they believed those, but the problem was because they didn't see these other things pointing to Jesus, they had a very incomplete picture of who Jesus would be. And so they were blinded. They were blinded by their own understanding of the Bible. They were unable to see that it was pointing them to him. Church, don't miss this valuable point of application. A person's understanding of the Bible just might be their biggest hindrance to knowing God. These men were Bible experts, religious leaders, top teachers in the land, and yet their understanding of the Bible kept them from seeing the glory of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Church, that is a striking indictment Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Does your understanding of the Old Testament scriptures help you to see and know and believe in Jesus? Do the spiritual leaders that you place yourself under help you see Jesus in the Old Testament. Because let me tell you something, church. Sometimes when Jesus is talking about leaven, he's not talking about leaven. There is a prevalent, popular, Hermeneutic, if you don't know what hermeneutic is, that's a way to study, to interpret, observe, interpret, and apply the Bible. There is a prevalent and popular hermeneutic that has infiltrated large swaths of Christianity over the last 120 years. And this hermeneutic works hard to keep 
Jesus out of the Old Testament. And it accuses people who see Jesus in the Old Testament as spiritualizing the text. It's gotten so bad, so out of control, that one popular pastor, you may have heard of him, has instructed people in his church to unhitch themselves from the Old Testament. Here's a quote from Andy Stanley as he preached Acts 15 to his church in 2018. Peter, James, and Paul elected to unhitch the Christian faith from their Jewish scriptures. And my friends, we must as well. Nothing could be further from the truth. Beware, church, of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They failed to see that the Old Testament speaks of, promises, illustrates, and points us to Jesus, the one who is better than everything in every way. The Apostle Paul, he is the quintessential biblical example of someone who was blind, a Pharisee who was blind, to Jesus in the Old Testament. But then the scales fell off his eyes and he saw Jesus throughout the whole thing. While Paul was a Pharisee, he was completely blind to seeing Jesus in the Old Testament, though he had devoted his entire life to it. He studied under the predominant scholar of the Old Testament in his day, Gamaliel. As a result, he hated Christ. He hated Christians, and he persecuted them. He literally dragged them to jail, threw them into prison, and had them killed. But in Acts chapter 9, Jesus causes literal scales to fall off Paul's eyes. And suddenly, rather than being blind to Jesus, he could see Jesus with the eyes of faith. And so Colossians 1.28 became his battle cry. We proclaim him. Who's him? Christ. We proclaim Christ, admonishing every man, teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in who? Christ. Question for you. From what scriptures... Did Paul preach Jesus? From what scriptures did Paul preach the gospel? The Old Testament. Acts chapter 28, verses 23 through 27. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus both from the law of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the law of Moses, the Pentateuch. So they try to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. That's Isaiah to Malachi, the last third of your Old Testament. 
He tried to convince them about Jesus. Verse 24, and some were convinced by what he said. But others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul made this one statement. Listen to this statement. Very telling. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand. Hear what? The word of God. You will hear, the, and in this case, it's the Old Testament. You will hear, indeed hear, the word of God, but you will never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. Interesting that Jesus says, do you not perceive? Verse 27, for this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. They're blind to Jesus in the Old Testament. And by the way, the Old Testament is what Jesus used to point people to himself as well. Do you remember Jesus talking to the two men on the Emmaus Road after his crucifixion and resurrection? Those guys were discouraged. They were sad because Jesus had been crucified. So how did Jesus encourage them? Luke 24, verses 25 through 27. And he said to them, oh, foolish ones, Slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Now, the prophets there does not refer to the prophetic books that is that last third of your Old Testament. Here, the prophets responds, or refers to all of those men in the Old Testament that had received divine revelation from God and wrote it down. He's talking about the whole Old Testament. We'll see that in just a second. O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses, Genesis, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The scriptures are about Christ. And so we proclaim him, teaching every man, admonishing every man, that every man may be teleos, complete, mature in Christ. Acts chapter 1 Jesus ascends into heaven. And he sends out his apostles to be witnesses. We turn the page to chapter 2. And what do we see happening? We see Peter preaching the gospel from what? Joel and the Psalms. He preached Christ from the Old Testament. When the apostles opened up the scriptures, they're at the end of Acts chapter 2. And they're going from house to house. 
What scriptures were they instructing the people on? The Old Testament. Showing them how they pointed to Christ. When Peter preaches Christ in Acts 3, what text does he use? Genesis. And guess who gets angry at him in chapter 4 for preaching Christ from the Old Testament? The Pharisees and Sadducees. Stephen in Acts 7 gets murdered for preaching Christ from the Old Testament. He started a sermon in Genesis 11, and he worked through the Pentateuch, and he ended in Amos and Isaiah. Isaiah. Philip, of course, famously preached from Isaiah 53 to the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8. And again, we see Peter preaching the gospel in Acts 10. Acts 10, 42 through 43, he says, Jesus commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, verse 43, all the prophets bear witness. All the Old Testament writers of Scripture bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So church, all that to say, beware. Beware of people who open the Bible and don't point you to Jesus. He's everywhere. When you read your Bible, look for Christ. Not just in this last half, but in the whole thing. And stop worrying about bread. He's better. He's better than everything in every way. And he's given his life for you. Seek him with all you've got. Let's pray. Your word, O oh God, is a light to our path, a lamp to our feet. And Jesus is the light of the world. We thank you, O Lord, that you have shown this light concerning Christ to us today. Help us in our pursuit of Christ. We might see him. Oh God, what we would have done to be on that road to Emmaus to hear Jesus explain everything from the Old Testament and how it was about him. We don't have that opportunity, God, but instead you've given us your Holy Spirit and your word. And may we take full advantage of those things. In Christ's name, amen.